0: Good morning good afternoon and good evening to everybody listening and watching wherever and whenever this podcast may find you thanks for tuning in and welcome to the bitcoin weekly wrap up for the december 27th 2019 this week's weekly wrap up is once again brought to you by Etoro and it's a very cool platform. It's made for both beginners and advanced traders. Uh, They actually existed before Bitcoin. They predated it by quite a few years, and they've offered for many years a lot of different traditional uh, investment and uh, and assets. And now they offer both uh, the globe and uh, within the last year, United States investors in Bitcoin and crypto assets, ability to trade on a very safe and secure platform. Uh, they offer for new people if you 're new if you don 't know how to trade that well, they offer something uh, very interesting it 's a virtual trading platform uh, or or wallet I should say where you can actually i think it 's about a hundred thousand dollars in fake u s currency of course, where you could trade on real. Uh, uh, market and, uh, you know, you could test out your strategies, all that kind of stuff. Make sure that you know what you're doing before you get involved in it. They also offer copy trading. You can go out there, you can find traders who are knowledgeable and know what they are doing. You can then allocate 1, to 100% of your portfolio to them and as many other traders as you would like. And allocate that percentage of your pro, pro plan, can't talk portfolio to them, and whenever they make a trade, whenever they buy, whenever they sell, it just copies that trade for you. So you will get the you don't know, benefit of their experience. If you're an advanced trader, what this offers you is you could be asking, hey, you know, why would I want to? uh share my trades or anything like that you're not necessarily sharing your trades or anything what you are doing is allowing them just to copy you and you'll get a portion of the profits that you earn using the money that they've allocated towards you so everybody wins if you go over to did you know crypto.com that's did you no crypto.com/etoro etoro that'll refer you to my affiliate link on their site what that does is it lets them know that you came through me but you'll also get 50 dollars for free uh subject to some minimum deposit verifications and you know once again everybody wins they are the uh, sponsor of this of this uh segment so this is a paid advertisement which if you're wondering why I'm mentioning that, you will see here in just a few minutes. So, um, welcome again to the beautiful Basement by the Bay Studios. I'm joined, as always, by my trusty 1995 Batman Forever McDonald's Riddler Cup. If you're just listening and not watching, you are, um, well, I hate to say it, but you're missing out on a full experience of, the, uh, of this uh, podcast because you're not able to see this just absolutely gorgeous cup. From my childhood, got a little coffee in there because you know it's uh, been a long week. Uh, It's been a good week, Christmas week, and everything like that. But uh, there's been a lot of later nights, getting things ready for Christmas for the kids, all the kind of good stuff. So I am now recovering and enjoying just a little bit of coffee, which was actually part of my Christmas present. So today we're going to be covering stories about the Havening and the Bull Run, whether it's priced in or not. um, YouTube. Uh, purging crypto content supposedly and the one which is the chinese currency hits back at libra as well as uh, the last story will be about the sec punting the bitcoin etf once again so let's look at the price since last week's wrap-up. Bitcoin's price has risen slightly to uh, about 7500 this week, but it dropped a bit lower back to roughly what we're seeing um, or what we saw last Friday, currently sitting just above $7,200 as of the 26th of December 2019. So the first story of the podcast was... Well, it, not totally based on, but it, I was reading a Twitter thread by Meltem Demirs regarding her opinion that the havening may already be priced in. You know, and I talked about this about two weeks ago in the weekly wrap-up for the 12th of December. So some of these arguments may be a bit of a rehash of what I talked about then. But I actually, I, I agree with Meltem in, in most part. And I, I also want to say I may very well be wrong, and I will be happy to admit that at a future date. Once it seems like I am wrong, if that happens, I'll be more than happy to publicly say that I was, if you ever want to see that. So I'm not one who is unwilling to change my position on something, I have changed my position. Many times, if you've listened to the podcast for any period of time, you may know that uh, throughout this period, I have gone through a bunch of basically, if you want to call them epiphanies or realizations or change of my opinion, and I have come out and said, this is where I messed up. I even did actually a whole episode on that called Where I Messed Up. I think it was... Thirty-seven. I don't know off the top of my head, but anyways, I'm more than happy to do that at a late, later date. So Meltum makes some good points that, you know, any institutional money that wants to get into Bitcoin either now or in the future, um, you know, happening or not, they have other tools now other than exchanges like we did in the past. They have other tools to do so, and this was not something that was present in 2017 um as bitcoiners of course we don't agree that backed or these other custodial solutions are the proper way to interact with bitcoin but people and institutions especially will always first be creatures of habit it takes a really long time for society for people especially institutions to break out of these habits that they've gotten themselves into it took the automobile industry nearly 50 years to dislodge the horse as the primary means of transportation as well as for use on farms uh you know the you know up you know took The same amount of time basically for people to switch over to cars from horses as it did for farmers to switch from horses to tractors. Now it just seems ridiculous that you would even have that opinion, but people are creatures of habit. We like to look, you know, at history and these great changes that we see. And kind of streamline those times into these easy-to-understand little boxes that we open up for our own understanding. And we read about these changes most of the time in these history books in, you know, one or two paragraphs. It makes it really easy, you know, uh, up until this point, people were using horses, then... You know, at, at in this date, they uh, at this date they invest uh, they invented the combustional engine, and then they started to appear on streets. And then Henry Ford made it affordable. And then you know, by such and such date, everybody was using cars. It seems very quick. It is absolutely not for these big shifts in how we interact with our world to occur. Um, so, you know, it, it's. They've, you know, in the past, they've gone through these same growing pains in society that we're going through right now. And especially for those of us who see the future first, you know, those same people that back in those days saw the automobile and it's, you know, just what kind of change it was going to bring to the world. They experienced the same kind of incredulation that we are experiencing right now, for people who look at Bitcoin and they fail to see the forest for the trees. So while I do believe uh, we do have right now a much more you know robust consumer market than we did two and a half years ago, um, you know, and I also do see an increase in ardent Bitcoiners than we did, say, in 2017, I don't see both of those things really, especially in terms of ardent Bitcoiners really a significant increase it seems like it in this space but really it's not significant in terms of national or a global context really um you know the amount of people you know we may see a twofold increase in true bitcoiners right Uh, but really when you look at it compared to the amount of people who are living in just average joes it's really not that much there's more people being annoyed at christmas and thanksgiving dinners now um you know, talking about Bitcoin, but you know, when you take that in total global population, um, it's it's still extremely small. It's really non. It's it's a rounding error in st- in uh, statistics. So, you know, we we have seen as well um, uh, congressional hearings um, in uh, in nah, it was what two three months ago about Libra, we saw Bitcoin being kind of seen by some in Congress as something that is more laudatory than a centralized permission system, which was actually really surprising to me, the amount of people in Congress, whether they are actually really understand Bitcoin or whether they're just using Bitcoin as a foil to criticize Libra, we will see by their future actions. Um, I, I haven't seen though the social influencers coming into the picture really in any discernible way. And by social influencers, I don't necessarily mean, you know, pop stars or verified Instagram accounts. I mean those people who move culture, those who tap into the zeitgeist to shift things in a meaningful way. And admittedly, the 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 former, the, you know, the, the Instagram verified uh, uh, Vera, veritati, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, and those who had talked about the social influ- influencers who tap into the zeitgeist—they do actually overlap in a lot of ways. Um, actually, there's heavy overlap, although most people don't want to admit that uh, because a lot of people, like I said, they're creatures of habit. They want to look to, uh, you know, academics. They want to look to uh, people who have these, you know, great ways of, of of speaking and thinking and all these kind of things. As you know, because that's what we had in the past. Uh, and and don't want to admit that the the person who's really not that educated, but is very good at drawing crowds, which is not anything really new, but we're just still kind of breaking into this. They don't want to see those people as the ones who move culture, but they really do. Um, But a lot of those people, we did see some of those two and a half years ago in 2017 supposedly embrace bitcoin or blockchain or whatever but they were mostly doing so because they were being paid to by various companies and interest groups they they didn't none of them were having any real conversion experience there are some people out there that do understand it and have kept at it but really not as many as we'd like um you know john cavallo brought up a interesting question in a tweet where he uh wrote i quote explain clearly how you can price in a halving as a miner, as a holder, as a transactor, unquote. And a person responded mentioning that you know miners can hedge with, hedge with futures. I think that, uh, I don't remember the company now, they were offering a really interesting product um, that miners could use basically, if, specifically for halvings. Uh, or, uh, if they're going to be investing a large amount, they could actually buy basically put options or, or futures. And that way, if the Bitcoin price drops over a period, they can actually hedge their losses. Uh, it, it you know, um, was it Van, Vanek? I think it was Vanek, but anyways, I, I digress. Um. You know, miners can do things like that. Uh, the person responding also mentioned that HODLers and, transactor- and transactors would just buy more Bitcoin. And John responded with that, um, and, and I quote, "Since or well, I guess I don't quote, this paraphrasing. But he said, since there's always a future having, wouldn't he just always be buying as much Bitcoin as he can? Um, I, I don't really think that's a good retort to it because, you know, Bitcoin... It's you know the exhortation of bitcoiners has been for a long time and definitely since the split, where Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, uh, uh split off or forked or however you want to call it, without splitting hairs about saying well it, it was actually this and not this, whatever it was. The two groups, the people who want block size increase, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, went to Bitcoin Cash. Those who saw uh, store of value as as a compelling narrative stayed with Bitcoin. Whatever you want to call it, right? So after that split. Um, you know the the store of value side in Bitcoin. Uh, one of the most proliferated memes that we've seen, especially over the last year or so, has been "stacksats, stacksats, stacksats, stacksats," which is by its definition telling people to buy as much as you can on as regular a basis as you can. Right? Obviously, not saying mortgage your house or anything dumb like that, but when you have a, if you have extra money stack sats instead of buying that cup of coffee today make your own at home buy two dollars worth of bitcoin right uh, off a cash app or coinbase or whatever your favorite thing is um and another successful meme in bitcoin is is the citadel which i actually just covered in episode 64 and and while, yes, it is semi-ironic and all that kind of stuff, it is successful because it promises a bright future for adherents of Bitcoin, the faithful, the faithful followers and adherents of Bitcoin uh, who abide by the store of value. Uh, Bitcoiners must always be buying, foregoing fiat, foregoing high time preference choices for low time preference ones if hodling Bitcoin is one of the most sacred rituals in the Bitcoin religion, that adding as much as you can is the most appropriate basically sacrifice that you can lay on the altar of Bitcoin. And Bitcoiners already do this, right? Anybody who is truly abiding by the stacking sats meme who really believes it is, isn't just saying that is deciding to forego things. Like I'm not gonna buy it, you know, I'm not going to buy a new car or if I need a new car, I you know, and I can afford a Lexus, maybe instead of buying that Lexus, I will buy, I, I, I don't know, uh, uh, a really nice Honda, right? I'll take that extra money and I'll stack the sats that way instead of uh, going on vacation or if I really would need a vacation instead of going for 10 days, I'm going to go for seven days. I'm going to take that extra three days that I already had saved up for that and I'm going to stack sats, right? So, you know, it's it's already in there. If if you abide by the store of value thesis, it makes no sense for you to be doing these high time preference choices. And I I do see a little bit of hypocrisy in in some of these folks who do say that. But then I see them you know saying oh well we ate at this really nice restaurant tonight and the finest cuts of beef and and all that. It, it kind of seems con- counter to that, but. Uh, there, there is an argument to be made that uh, you know it is a low time preference choice to eat better, high quality nutrient foods and stuff like that, and extend your lifespan, blah blah blah. So I, I do get that there is an argument in there, but, uh, I, I mean this person who responded by saying you just buy more Bitcoin, yeah, absolutely, you should be buying as much Bitcoin as you can at all times, so that is the appropriate response, and that's why I don't believe that the having is priced in. Uh, for Bitcoiners, right? Um, And Bitcoiners would already be doing this. Speculators, which is actually the majority of the market, are only going to start buying more Bitcoin. If they're already dollar cost averaging, then they're already dollar cost averaging. And there is pressure going to be put on because there's going to be less Bitcoin coming onto the market every day. Absolutely. But most speculators are not really going to be dollar cost averaging um, and most of them wait and hold in fiat uh until they think that they can you know they find a low point they buy bitcoin and then they wait for a high point and all that kind of stuff so any of them who are already thinking that they've found a low point probably have already bought um and they're not going to be going you know this is rehashing a bit but they're not going to be going i think that in may this is going to start a bull run so i'm going to wait until after today to buy, they're gonna buy today, right? If you believe that the price is gonna go up in the future, you are you know in the very near future, and five to six months is in the near future, they are not gonna be holding off on doing so. Speculators prefer high time preference, shorter time period gains over low time preference, uh generational wealth, right? So unless they start to believe themselves, you know, or they themselves start to believe that in the havening and the havening bull run, they're not going to respond to it. And if they already believe that, they would already be responding now. You know, bitcoiners themselves, we, we are not going to lament some sort of dead on arrival havening bull run, right? The 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 bull run that never happens. As bitcoiners, we are not concerned about these sorts of things, right? But speculators are, and if they're not already doing so, I don't see. Where this is going to, and I understand that the the bull run happening doesn't necessarily mean the lead up. It's that afterwards, as you see, start to see buying pressure increase with with uh, supply decrease. I, I I get that, but bull runs are not necessarily on the DCA folks. And now you have uh, a lower amount that that's entering, um, that that's spurring a bull run. It's people fomoing in. It it's what leads to these, you know, the 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 jump from you know. One or two thousand or three thousand up to twenty thousand, and that's what I'd call a bull run, right? We're seeing two or three X increases. I'm not seeing it where you go from, let's say, we're at eight thousand at that point, and we go up to ninety five hundred is really being a bull run. Um, but you know, that all being said, um, if Bitcoiners are successful in spreading the happening bull run meme to spread speculators then this kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy right and but as of yet i have not seen this meme really spread beyond the borders of the bitcoin digital citadel and i think melton's uh article really kind of proves this if someone like her who had absolute you know was absolutely kind of all about like she had criticisms of you know, the shitcoin and shitcoin waterfalls or whatever during t- towards the end of the 2017 bull run. Um, but if someone like her, who's not kind of a market person, right, who's not a dedicated Bitcoiner, um, who's more on the sidelines of the digital citadel outside those walls, then if it's not spreading to her, then I don't think that it's it's being effective as of yet. And really, as a final note, though, uh, on this story is I I think it's proof once again that Bitcoiners, they were great. We were great um, at spreading Bitcoin or the Bitcoin meme throughout the world very early on. It has spread. It has truly challenged the global financial system to the point that these systems are attempting to adapt. I mean, haphazardly money, Digital One, the Libra, um, various countries issuing their own digital currencies based solely on what Satoshi did. They would not be doing this if Satoshi had not introduced Bitcoin. They have wanted to introduce a digital currency for a long time, a cashless society, absolutely. But the idea of, oh, well, let's use a blockchain-based, even if it's centrally in permission, is solely because they are starting to see that if they do not attempt to adapt, if they attempt to just go well, whatever, people are just going to continue to want to use Visa, Visa and cash in perpetuity, uh, and buy T bills and and uh, and sit on low interest rates, and uh, just you know suck up uh, negative interest rates. That they're going to get left behind. They are going to be replaced, right? So they are doing this to try and outflank Bitcoin. I do not think that they will be successful, but. We had those early successes. We're now seeing the fruits of those successes. But as of late, in my opinion, Bitcoiners have been extremely great at spreading memes that spread throughout the converted, right? Stack Sats, Citadel, all that kind of stuff. But it has been really terrible at spreading the meme outside these digital walls inside that holds our that kind of hold our communities. We have not seen. Uh, a success really a global success uh, beyond the original bitcoin meme for bitcoin we've seen the insanity of the blockchain meme supporting every bs you know junk ponzi scheme uh, scam and or bad idea but bitcoin has not had that much success as of late and I'll end that um, end on that that sad note, I guess. But uh, the next story today is about Libra. Uh, the head of the People's Bank of China told reporters that the upcoming digital one will not be a speculative instrument like Bitcoin. And it will not also require any sort of basket of currency reserves, which is obviously a stab at Libra, as Libra said that that's what it would be doing. Uh, If you remember the Libra Association's fix, basically for helping to establish a value and maintaining stability of their digital token, the Libra would basically be to peg it, their coin, to a basket of existing national currencies, right? And, and, And taking us outside of Bitcoinery, uh, and just looking at it, it's a very smart idea. It's, it's it's it makes a lot of sense as a as a first step. As they are able to actually attain value inherently, um, they will be able to just basically drop these current these baskets of currencies eventually, and the <clears throat> excuse me, and the Libra will be able to stand on their own. Uh, and basically, this this basket though, as they're in this establishment phase, that who knows how long that lasts, years or decades. Um, they would be able to increase or decrease their reserves of the various currencies. If they're experiencing issues within their own national currencies so that one, it means contain um, uh, consistent buying power um, for the Libra. And it, it, it's obviously, and, and two, it's something that they view as necessary and also something that can be done under central control. So they view it's necessary to kind of peg and it makes sense. It is pegging this ethereal idea of the Libra to something that you know. The 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 well, we don't know exactly yet. It. Obviously, it's gonna have probably the US dollar and the pound and the euro, whether it's not if it's gonna contain the one or something else, we don't know, uh gold or T bills or who knows. Uh, but it makes sense. It it ties people's minds to go. This is problem. Um, I think it was Vin Armani was talking about. Uh, with, with the the problem with Bitcoin is establishing a value in people's minds. They don't have this tie. By tying fiat to dollars for a very or to to dollars to gold for a very long time, you had this mental tether. Something has value. Gold has value, right? And if you tie that dollar to that, then you associate the dollar with gold. And what we've seen now is as we've untethered from gold. People still view it as having value, which shows that it was a very, it was a very good starting point. Bitcoin has established value, right? Through a lot of bootstrapping, hard work, and uh, basically a religious zeal of Bitcoiners. Uh, but it makes a lot of sense for, for them, like I said, to do this. Uh, but I, I think that they are a bit naive to think that this is something that they can do. Um, in a centrally controlled manner. Uh, Well, that's not something, that'll be a longer digression, but I I think that they are going to find that it is much harder to do than they think to peg this valley to it Um, because you are going to have speculators and and, um, there's going to be a lot of pressure from different, well, I I don't want to get into that in this wrap-up because that's going to lead us down a different rabbit hole, but... um, uh, suffice it to say is I think there's going to be a lot more problems with that. I think it's an extremely intelligent way to do it. And I think that it is the best way for any new private currency like that if they want to be centrally controlled to do something in this manner. Um, uh, the, the the PBOC, however, they are saying they're not going to do a basket of currencies, but they have not revealed yet um, how they plan to peg the... Peg their currency to anything or peg the value of the digital one. Um, Like I said, Bitcoin has done this organically over a decade, but it is subject to high volatility. Likely in in a national digital currency cannot have that. They cannot have the swings of 20, 30% a day. They cannot see a 90% dump over a year. Like that's absolutely something that is untenable. So I think likely the Chinese mechanism will be a reserve of physical one, um, or maintaining uh, an artificial value that they peg via very strict controls domestically in the hope that it'll translate to global markets and that trust of global stabi- uh, regional stability will translate to global stability and global trust. Um, China's also actually, over the last 11 years, really since the financial crisis of 2008, have significantly increased their gold reserves steadily over those years. And this could be another option It also could be their own, basically, a basket by tying it to physical wand, gold reserves, and domestic stability through very strict controls. But time's really going to tell. Uh, The next story is going to be about YouTube, which I'm sure many of you have already heard. So YouTube seemingly gave a, a bunch of, or at least a story within Bitcoin and crypto. Twitter has been... Uh, They basically did a purge as a Christmas gift to YouTubers on the 24th on Christmas Eve with a large list of high-follower crypto-related channels getting the axe or getting strikes and videos taking down. And the multi-coin universe exploded with anger and angst over this, you know, um, event. But upon more research, I I basically kind of learned that this didn't seem to be the powers that be are threatened by crypto purge um, as as many of those in the the kind of multi-coin crypto YouTube have said and their narrative has been, well, it's obviously because they're afraid of us and they're afraid of what blockchain could do is why they're doing this. If they did, they just delete everything. Like why would they even, anybody that hashtag Bitcoin would just get automatically flagged, but whatever. Um, It it seems like it's... uh, a, a, a larger you know well it seemed like upon further investigation that it was um basically a, a across a bunch of different youtube things and and you know my youtube account which is you know by any measure extremely small um and something that i've been starting to work on actually growing but you know i was unaffected um this seems to be because of two things in my opinion um oh i forgot to mention when i did a little bit more research it seemed like there was also a lot of people involved in in different other things it was um oh gosh now i'm having a brain fart it was it was people that were you know selling various items um people that were doing unboxing videos doing reviews of products but they in this will come into what i was about to get into that they weren't disclosing, like, I'm unboxing the new Apple, um, the new iPhone. But they weren't disclosing they got paid by Apple to do this. Or I got, I'm unboxing the new Disney toy for my. Um, if you have kids, uh, Disney Collector is a, a, a YouTuber who just basically unboxes Disney toys and just plays with them very creepily. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It seems weird an adult playing with toys for kids, but whatever. But they weren't disclosing in their videos like, I was paid by Disney to review this, blah, 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 blah. It seems like disclosure. So like I said, um, the reason my site was on it, because I saw this, I went to my site, I didn't see any notifications, no strikes, no emails, nothing. And I came to the conclusion it was either one, it was I'm not large enough to be affected or that the algorithms were first hitting uh, high like, high share videos um, that met the criteria that they were putting out and then going after those channels that were associated with it or that those YouTubers didn't pay attention to guidelines in YouTube. So whenever I upload, when I upload this video uh, into, into YouTube, there's an option in when you go to upload that says, um, you know, click this if your video contains a paid promotion, which my weekly wrap-ups do. And a further button is unlocked when you do that, that says um uh, do you uh, would you like to inform viewers of a paid promotion by adding basically an in-video disclosure i think that they offer this so that you don't have to say it um but i think a lot of people were just either just saying it real quick or not saying it at all and when they got manually reviewed they were getting they were getting um hit and those manual reviewers are not watching a 2 hour long stream to see if you do it if you don't do it at the beginning of your video i think that's that's uh, the problem. Or if you're not doing this, this is just a very easy way on YouTube to click that. If you look in the lower left-hand corner of my video, which would be, oop, well, over over here. Oh, goodness, I'm horrible at this. It'll be over in here. Uh, you'll see a little thing that says paid promotion or whatever. And that just kind of lets everybody know that I there is a paid promotion within, within this video. Um, my guess is that these folks Uh, either didn't do that in their videos or just started doing and didn't go back to all their old videos that uh, had anything to do with that. It seemed like there's a lot of like price trading, you know, you should buy this, which I think they're starting to hit, you know, people promoting unregulated trading and securities or whatever, something along those lines. So if you're doing videos saying buy Bitcoin now, I think it's the best price. I think you really need to be very careful about that or do a lot, a lot of disclosures at the very beginning. Um, You know, YouTube has been, this is kind of unrelated a bit, but YouTube has been pushing their kids stuff uh, as well as asking, you know, when you upload a video and as well as your channel to market, whether it's specifically aimed at kids, not that you can't have chill child's, you know, stuff you can't have, uh, you know, talk about frozen or whatever, if you just do a a talk show, but that if you're specifically aiming at kids and something like unboxing videos for kids toys, uh, you know, if you don't do that, you're going to get cut, you know, but there were dire warnings if you did not do this by a certain time, such as being unpublished, uh, if you didn't let YouTube know your answer, or if you lie on it, then your channel could be unpublished by that, those sorts of things. So back to paid promotions, I think it's a preamble really to the SEC and other government action in this space, that people promoted ICOs, who misled people, who were giving specific trading advice, even though, and, it, it, and it's important to note, Just because you say this is not investment advice, that's not some magical word that gets you out of jail for free, right? You can't say, well, this is not investment advice. Buy this coin right now from me through my referral code or you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. That is absolutely something that you can be hit on. Uh, There's a lot of people involved in one coin that were big promoters, and it's going to probably filter down to the mid-level, probably not lower level, but uh, those sorts of people, right? I don't think that they were giving any disclosures, but even if they were, all those people are going to be in very big trouble. Financial disclosures or um, investment disclosures or, you know, this is for educational use only isn't a get out of jail free card. So, you know, all those people that, you know, misled or didn't disclose that they were being paid by those projects to promote it are going to be at best, you know, unpublished off YouTube and possibly liable For not disclosing it and and at worst, uh, participating in securities fraud. And this is not to whitewash YouTube, um, as some sort of fair and balanced white knight, they are absolutely not. But I I don't necessarily disagree with their decision to want to make sure viewers are aware that someone is paid by someone to say something, uh, versus just organically liking and supporting a project. I don't think that governance should be, uh, governments should be involved in censorship, but. Content providers like YouTube, they absolutely have to curate and maintain standards, or else it becomes, it's a bad experience for users. You can say, well, nobody, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in a a place that curates content. Uh, You know, anybody should be able to upload whatever they want to. Do that, like, fine. I've been on places like that where they basically allow anything other than the most heinous junk, and it's, I, I really don't like the experience. I would like something better than YouTube. Uh, you know, this, this requires a social and a cultural shift back to valuing free speech versus not like, you know, valuing valuing people's feelings, right? Uh, so I don't think that there's any magical – there's not a blockchain project that is just going to make this uh, easy um, and a, a, you know, one-stop shop to, to fix this sort of thing. I do appreciate a curated content. I appreciate – that's why I still use YouTube just to view videos because I like the fact that they're a lot better at it than a lot of these other, you know, either decentralized or more free speech platform or whatever. And I appreciate those people as well, offering these alternatives because, um, any, any any content creator, myself included, you need to diversify amongst a bunch of platforms so that there's not one single point of failure. You don't want to have all your success to be on Twitter. And then for some reason, your Twitter account gets unpublished. and, And at the end of the day, they can do whatever they want. And you don't want to have the business, that you, the business that you've built up to be totally at at the, you know, we, we saw this with uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, right? Big on Twitter. He got kicked off. Well, he got kicked off to YouTube, got kicked off all these places. And now he's trying to do telegram channels. That wasn't really working. And it's a severely hurt him. And it's not like he's, you know, in the soup kitchen, um, but compared to where he was two or three years ago to where he is now, it, it really did hurt him. So in all your video don't just be on YouTube be on other video uh, platforms I'm going to start doing that. Don't just be on Twitter to talk to people. You know, go onto Facebook, go on to Instagram, be on Telegram, be on you know Discord, all these have have these other things to build up those those profiles, build up those platforms and your you know your um persona on it so that you can fall back on those in case but anyways the last story of the day is become something of a ritual over the last two years a bitcoin etf comes up for a decision and the sec either punts it or the company withdraws it so that it doesn't get denied so wilshire phoenix was the latest lamb to the slaughter as the sec shelved it Um, and basically they're going to decide at a later date Uh, What was interesting, though, about this proposal was that this particular ETF is different. It's not a Bitcoin-only ETF, but a multi-asset trust that combined both uh, Bitcoin and T-bills. T-bills are basically just short-term government bonds. They're usually less than a year um, uh, issued by the Treasury. And they're usually issued at some sort of discount rate. Let's just say $950 or $975 for a $1,000 bond. At the maturity date, let's say a year, you bought that bond for nine hundred fifty. You get a thousand dollars. If there's interest earned, you get that that amount plus the interest. Um, and they're they are basically used by um, you know mutual funds and you know investors, um, hedge funds, things like that to basically kind of shore up a more a way to earn like a little bit of a return, uh, but it's also very safe. And yes, I know that fiat systems are inherently unsafe over the long term. But right now, the US dollar is still king. If the US T-bill is no longer a reliable way for you to invest and hold on to value, we have very, very big problems. Eventually, we're going to get there. But, you know, people are going to (laughs) be... If they can't trust a T-bill, we are in some very, very choppy waters at that point. Um, So they basically, this ETF would be... They're going to rebalance, let's just say Bitcoin becomes more volatile, they'll rebalance their, their ETF to hold more T-bills, and if, if Bitcoin becomes less uh, volatile, then they'll decrease their T-bills and increase their Bitcoin. And basically, uh, this is a way to make Bitcoin more stable, more palatable to investors, and it would allow people holding that ETF to kind of lower their exposure. So this would limit their gains, but it would also limit their losses. Like I said at the very beginning, people are creatures of habit. Investors are more than happy to see a ten percent gain or fifteen percent gain over a year, even if Bitcoin made a two hundred fifty percent gain, they would be happy to make a fifteen or twenty percent gain. They cannot take; they're going to dump an instrument if they see a ninety percent dump. All right. So while I'm not crazy as a Bitcoiner about this idea of meshing T-bills and all this, it does; it makes sense. It. Works for creatures of habit. Um, they also promised high transparency uh, of this product using both Thomson Reuters and Bloomberg portals to update the stats of the ETFs, i.e., how much Bitcoin, how much T-bills that they're holding, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and at the SEC apparently, the reason that they're giving is that they're still concerned about market manipulations within Bitcoin and the larger crypto markets and their lack of ability to really do good market surveillance. Um, and until this is really answered, they probably are not going to approve any Bitcoin financial instruments. And as a side note, Bitcoin, by market surveillance, what they mean is their ability to monitor the market and market makers to make sure that they abide by existing laws, they're not pumping, or that there's not any kind of suspicious activity. Like if somebody, uh, it, let's just say Bitcoin's really stable. There's not a lot of buying and selling. It's a pretty low volume going back and forth. But then there's this one individual or a group of individuals who make a big, long position. The next day it's announced that, I don't know, China's going to um, uh, China's going to adopt Bitcoin as their national currency, causing Bitcoin to just go parabolic. Or let's just say that um, uh, Walmart's going to start accepting Bitcoin or that the... Um, Federal Reserve is going to start using Bitcoin, you know, something like that, that would cause the market to either go up or conversely and down that you can see, well, it's kind of suspicious that everybody else is not doing anything. And then all of a sudden, right before a major announcement causing a market upturn or downturn, there's this group of people that apparently knew uh, that, that seemed like they knew something was coming and they put in a massive amount of longs or a massive amount of shorts. And, you know, just kind of, this is illegal. It's called insider trading in traditional markets. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that but but that's a side point. But that being all said, so this market surveillance uh, on the face of it, it does make sense to try and balance the playing field and all that kind of stuff uh, within markets uh, in the way and they, that's how they do it in the traditional markets but um, that you know all that you know having they, they would also not mind having a big eye into a large swath of Bitcoin holders. These are custodial ones, of course, but that's a very large group of them. And that is just icing on the cake to be able to tell who's doing what, who's moving what, when they're moving it, putting names to transactions, all that kind of stuff. So um, anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this Bitcoin Weekly Wrap-Up for the 27th of December, 2019. This will be the last wrap-up of the year. So I will be talking to you in 2020 the next time that we talk. So I wish you guys a actually no the interview will be out on monday so that'll be the last one but for the wrap-up listeners um this will be the last time we talk so i wish you a happy new year i hope your christmas and holiday season was wonderful i give my uh, very best to all of you that are listening and watching um i want to thank you for listening guys make all this possible please subscribe add me on itunes leave a five star and a written review if you would also go down here, you'll see a little subscribe red button. If you're on mobile, it'll be a little bit lower in that little gray box by the description. Hit that, then hit that little bell that lets you know every time I upload a video. Show some love to my sponsors. Go to diginocrypto.com/etoro. You know also go to supportmypodcast.com. There's other ways to support, but if you click on the listener discount button, I have a bunch of discounts from Onnit supplements to mushroom coffee to Bitcoin tax software to Tracer and Keep Key wallets that are absolutely free, absolutely free. No referral links. I Whenever I get a sponsor or whatever, I contact people. I say, roll, you know, how much can you give my listeners? And then on top of that, if you have a referral program, roll whatever you'd be giving me into those so I give you the highest amount of discounts that I can because it's about giving back to you as you're giving to me by listening and watching. So anyways, have a great night. I will. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you soon. And thanks for watching.